So for all of you who are having some of these really difficult, challenging experiences, you may have arranged this for the advancement and evolving of your soul, even even listening to this podcast. If you are open to it, that is helping you to see things from more of a witness perspective or a different perspective and personalize it so much. Welcome to Financially Ever After Widowhood, the podcast where we empower women to take control of their financial future after the loss of a spouse. I'm your host, Stacey Francis, President and CEO of Francis Financial, an award-winning and nationally recognized financial advisory firm. With the help of incredible guests, I'm ready to guide you through this challenging transition. We are doing things a little differently on this podcast and talking to one of the most amazing role models for women embracing life and living their best life after the death of their loved one. Our guest today, Irene Weinberg, watched as her husband, Saul, died next to her in a tragic car accident. She details the profound grief, the challenges that she had. But that's not just what this podcast is about. Irene talks about a spiritual awakening that helped her on her healing journey from this absolutely devastating loss to a renewed sense of inner strength, of spiritual wisdom, passion for life. She details how these messages came to her, what she did to really continue her healing journey. And she shares more about the books she's written, the podcasts that she has launched to help all women who are grieving to be able to create a divine plan for their life and live their healthiest and happiest life. So whether you believe in God or you do not, whether you believe in a higher being or do not, this is the podcast for you because it's all about loving yourself. It's all about finding your best ways of healing. And most importantly, it's about creating a wonderful life for you and being able to renew that sense of happiness for life after the loss of your most loved spouse. So without further ado, please help me welcome our special guest today, Irene Weinberg. Well, hi, Irene. I have to say it's so good to see you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Stacey, we're kind of having a turnaround because it was such a pleasure to interview you and bring your work to all these people through my podcast. And now I get to share my story with all of your people. It's just such a blessing all the way around for everyone. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. And, you know, for all of you listening, this is a really special podcast. And Irene has written an amazing book called They Serve Bagels in Heaven. It's all about her experience of becoming a widow, of losing her husband, but then also having very much a spiritual awakening through this process with both dealing with the loss of your love of your life, but then also realizing that there is more to life. And for all of you listening, my hope is that you can be open to our conversation 
whatever your faith, whatever your belief may be or not be. But the second thing that I really ask is just to listen to Irene's words because of the many women I know, Irene is doing more with her life and that like next phase of life, we often think of it as 60 and beyond. Then I see so many people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And you've really just created a whole new life that really is about giving to others, service, and doing some really phenomenal things with your time. So I'm so excited for you to be here. And I'm excited also for all of our listeners because I know your story. And Irene and I, as you mentioned, we've spoken before. If you go to her website, she has a beautiful video that I encourage you all to listen to, to really understand more about her story. But can you share what happened and your wonderful, wonderful husband and how unfortunately he had passed away? Look, to be totally honest with everybody, I want to start by saying that I was not spiritual when this very spiritual thing happened to me. I was a complete skeptic. And when you go back to my life before this amazing experience that I had happened, I was with the love of my life, Stacy. We were a second marriage. We were raising each other's children. So I got his two teenage children. And of course, if a man gets custody of his two teenage children, you know that there was quite a story to that. And we were also raising my son when we married. He was three years old. And we were a true blended family. We were so happy. We had both been very unhappy in our first marriages. We found each other. We took on each other's kids. We did everything. And we were really in love. And we were a partnership and a team together facing the world and healing. My husband believed in therapy. He went to group therapy. I came through so much trauma and different things in my life. So I was in therapy. So when we met, we shared a similar lingo with each other. And as you know, I really believe in therapy and healing. And it made a huge, huge difference to our relationship and to how we dealt with the people in our lives with understanding and love. And we're able to get a lot of our own personal issues out of the way. So there we were doing our thing. If everyone can picture a beautiful fall day, and I was at my kitchen sink, and you can tell by my accent, I'm a New Jersey girl. My husband was watching a jet skate on TV in our family room. I'm doing my thing, and all of a sudden, I get a very strong thought that came into my mind that was not my thought. And it said, Saul has to go. Many lessons will be learned from his death. And I kind of paused at my kitchen sink. And said to myself, what am I thinking? This is crazy. I filled a glass of water and I took it to him in the family room. I kissed the top of his head, handed him the glass of water and kind of put it out of my mind. But when you've been told something like that, you never, ever forget it. Even though I thought it was like a crazy thought or whatever, but you don't forget something like that. And two months later... We were skiers, and we were coming home from our ski house in the Catskills. We had been driving on the New York State Thruway for about an hour and a half. We were going 72 miles an hour, and I suddenly felt our car go into a huge swerve. I looked over, and Saul was sound asleep at the wheel. I called out to him. He woke up. He saw what was happening, and he went to pull the car out of the swerve. And as he did, 
we started to rise up into the air for the first of four flips. And as we rose up for the first flip, it was like I was in a gigantic roller coaster. We rose up for the first flip. I got a second strong thought came into my head and it said, he's not going to make it. You are. Now, as you're flipping around in the air, you hardly have time to process this. And each time we flipped, we hit very hard on the right side. So I subsequently had four major surgeries all on my right side after the accident. But I was conscious through everything. You know, I'm short, so I pulled myself in, which I think might have saved my life because I was scrunched into a ball in the passenger seat. Anyway, so the first time we flipped, I got that second message. He's not going to make it, you are. And now we flipped the second time. And if you would picture a clock at about 10 minutes of around when the flip went to that spot, I suddenly left my body. Now, I have never had an experience like this, but all of a sudden it was the strangest sensation, but I wasn't there. And I've been told by psychics and mediums that I had not a body experience in that moment that I was accompanying soul to the portal on the other side. Because at the hour of like 10 after, I felt myself return to my body. And I finished that flip, flip the third time and a fourth time. And the fourth time we landed upside down in a ravine by the side of the New York State Thruway. And I said to myself, oh my gosh, I got told twice that Saul was going to go. I looked over him and I said, Saul, are you okay? And I saw that indeed I was next to the shell of my husband and that what I had been told was true and that he was gone. But there was a way that I had gotten those first two messages that kind of gave me some kind of comfort that I wasn't alone when something was up. Before I had a chance to process the fact that I was going to need 19 stitches in the bottom of an artery at the bottom of my foot and all these other things that were going on, I saw a helicopter with EMTs, because we held the traffic on the throughway, Stacey, for two and a half hours. There were still pieces of my car left on the road six months later. So I saw a helicopter land, and three EMTs jumped out of the helicopter. They were pushing my car and bouncing it, and it finally bounced right side up. And I was in a seatbelt, onto the back onto the road, and one of them reached his hands, drew the shattered window of my car and turned me around and started pulling me through the window of my car. And as this happened, a bona fide voice, it was a voice and it was a directive and it was loud and it trumpeted into my head with no emotion, like a directive from heaven. And it said to me, be loving and kind to everyone as they laid me on the side of the road. And I don't know about you, but that would tend to change yourselves if they're multiplying. I mean, like, oh my goodness, what is this? And I suddenly became very, instead of screaming for myself, and he was the love of my life and all of this was happening, I kind of went right away into an acceptance mode. Something was up. There was more that was going on, but I did not know what it was. The other thing that happened to me that was a very powerful, of course, I'm going to tell you more of the story, but the other powerful part was that all of this heavenly stuff is going on with me, but on the earthbound plane, I read personality, mother. My husband was buried a week later on my son's 21st birthday, and he had raised my son. And I said to myself, as they also pulled me out of the car, after that voice came into my head, I said, I will get through this somehow. 
because I need to be a role model and show my son that you can get hit by a grenade in life and still keep going. I believe in healing. And at that moment, I scripted myself that whatever I was going to need to do, I was going to do it to get through this. So now they fly me in a helicopter to this emergency trauma center. And instead of screaming again for myself, I'm asking everyone, what's your name? Thank you for helping me. I know it's the weekend before Christmas. I'm so grateful. And then there was a scene that I talk about in my book with my stepdaughter and all these different, and everything I did was coming from, I'd been told love and kindness, so much so that the assistant to the surgeon who operated on me called me three months later and she said, I need to tell you that you changed lives in the emergency room that night. No one could believe how you responded and we've seen it all. And I said, Trish, I had a spiritual awakening. I'm still blown away by it and it changed my life. But there I was, I was three days in the hospital, two blood transfusions, going through all this stuff, people visiting me. And now I get home and I'm in hell. I'm in grieving hell like anybody else. I know something's up. I don't know what it is. But meanwhile, I'm in a wheelchair. I've got a cast on my leg. My husband left me with all these business dealings, all these things to do. He wasn't planning on leaving the planet at 58 years old. And I'm left with all these pieces to pick up, a funeral to arrange, all of this stuff. I'm going through all of that. But financially, Stacey, I so appreciate what you do. My husband, one thing he did leave me was a very competent CPA who he had worked with. And I don't know what I would have done without this man in my life on the earth plane to help me. And then the other thing that I did, which I know you also do with people who come to you, is I was in therapy. I always went for healing, no matter what I was facing, who can help me, but where can I get pointed in a different direction than what the negative stuff that's coming into my head or whatever. So I'm going through all of that. And about six weeks after the accident, I suddenly get a call from my dry cleaner. Well, I'm very friendly. I talk to everybody. So of course, when I would drop off dry cleaning, we would have a conversation or whatever. And he called me and he said to me, you know, I read, he said, you seem like you're very open-minded. I don't tell this to a lot of people, but I want to tell you something. I said, what is it? And he said, well, eight years ago, my oldest son died of a drug overdose and my wife and I were inconsolable. And we went to all these grief counselors and social workers and people and no one could help us. But we found out that we all have souls and we all go back to the other side, which is home when it is our time. And he said, we're going to see a guy. He's going to be at a hotel nearby. It's going to be in two weeks. If you'd like, you can drive to, and of course, telling you this for a reason for everyone, you can drive to my home. He lived five towns away from me, and I was just out of my wheelchair, and I was starting to drive Saul's car. And he said, you could drive to my home and get into my car, and I'll drive us to this hotel, which was another five or six towns away. I had no idea what he was talking about, but I knew something was up. And because I'm open and I trusted him, I drove to his home. I left. Saul's car in his driveway, and I got into my dry cleaner's car, and we drove to this hotel. And this young man, who I'm going to tell everyone who it was because he's so famous today. And when I tell you there were only 35 people in the room because he was just starting out 
half of them were taking messages because it was before there were voice recorders or anything. They were there to take messages. It was the famous John Edward, who has been on TV and everywhere. And John Edward took a look at me coming in with my dry cleaner and said to me, I don't even want to know your name. Gather with the other people upstairs. I'll be there in a little while. And I had no idea what to expect. It was like Saul waited halfway for me to see people getting these amazing messages from their deceased loved ones. I mean, amazing. Like I'm getting a message from a man saying that he shot himself in the head with his pistol. Oh my God, that's my father. I mean, amazing, unbelievable messages that he could not possibly know about these people. And about halfway into it, he says, I'm getting a message from a man and he's talking about Dr. Pepper. Does anyone know anything about a Dr. Pepper? And I elbowed my dry cleaner. His name is Joel. Joel, oh my God, start writing. It's Saul. Because 15 years before he met me, Saul's brother, who was a major advertising executive on Madison Avenue in New York City, wrote his name into a Dr. Pepper commercial. So instead of John Doe or George Smith or something, he's like, let's talk about Dr. Pepper coming east from California. We're going to talk to the man in the street, Saul Weinberg about what he thinks about Dr. Pepper. So Saul always used to lay up about that. Well, there was like no doubt that this was Saul and no doubt that John Edward could not possibly, possibly know that. And then Saul came through for 40 minutes. So much so that John Edward said, how long is this guy on the other side? And I said, two months. And he said, this is an old Saul. This guy is so articulate. And subsequently, I found that out. And he was giving me information. He's telling me that you live in another state than where he died. He died in New York. We lived in New Jersey. He's telling me that you're wearing his skier charm under your blouse. How the heck does he know that? And I'm going to pull this for everyone to see. One of the messages that blew me away, he's telling me you're driving his favorite car with Saul Z on the license plate. I mean, oh my goodness. There were other things that on and on and on, all these messages that Joel was furiously writing. Who's Bruce? That's my stepson. Who's Matt? That's my son. The proof of survival that he was on the other side was no question. So now my brain waves are really scrambled. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he's not lost. He's there. And I call my one sister-in-law who we thought was crazy because she was spiritual. And of course, and then we had thought she was crazy. I said, Carolyn, I have no one to tell this to. So I'll just communicate with me. She said, thank God, because two weeks after he died, he came through to me. She said, what do you want? I don't know if Irene will accept this. Why are you trying to tell me? He said, I have to get through to you because you're the only one who's open. And I left Irene with four business deals. One of them will not work out. The other three will. And there was a message about each of the kids. And she did not know how to tell me at the time. So now I start to open up Stacy to this world. And I can't tell anyone in my world that I'm doing this because yeah. they all think I would be cuckoo. So Irene, going through these experiences, I'm trying to put my feet kind of in your shoes because I would feel the same way as you. I mean, I was raised religious, Catholic, but I converted to Episcopalian. I tried to get away from the Catholic guilt. FYI, converting still with you. Catholic guilt stays right. with you for the rest of your life. But throughout my life, I've kind of varied with my religiousness. Did this give you comfort to help you deal with the grief? Did it give you that peace of mind of, I know he's okay? The first thing it did for me, I stopped being afraid of dying. It dawned on me that if he's on the other side, I'm going to go to the other side. 
The other thing, after I started channeling him for my book, we were very enmeshed in our Jewish faith. Once he started coming through for the book, I asked him about religion and all of that. And he said that when you cross over, you cross over with your preconceived notions that you have from your earth life. But then you start to get a more universal view that we are all part of a collective and we're basically all with the same needs and everything. And he told me there's no judgment there. Stacy, there's no need for guilt. None of that applies here. They welcome everyone there. There are certain people who go through things, who go through healing places. I even had a problem with my rabbi because when Saul gave me one of the past lives he channeled to me that we've shared was I was a little boy in ancient Israel and he was my rabbi. And because we go through different lives, and I didn't know this either, we take on different religions. We take on different sexualities. We take on different things to have these experiences. And in that lifetime, I was a little boy. And he was my rabbi. We became very close in that lifetime. I was a student. He was my teacher. And when I went to my rabbi to say to him, you know, there's a historic reference in my book I'd like to check out with this past life, I immediately got, I can't talk to you about this. You're a woman. And we only talk about these things when a man is 40 years old or over, when we talk about reincarnation, past lives and all. And he totally shut me down. So. It was a shock to me, but as Saul started to channel more to me about universal experience and how some of us come from paradigms of judgment and preconceived notions, that started to really resonate with me because I was going through it myself. And I imagine that this relationship with Saul helped you grieve him in some ways. I have found, and I channel a lot of mediums on my podcast now. I have found that when a person is able to connect with their loved one, and I have seen people connect with deceased children. I mean, I've had all kinds of people come. My mother died about two years ago, and right after she passed, I happened just coincidentally to be having a session with the media. My mother came through an hour and a half after she passed. She's telling me about a pearl necklace she gave you. She's telling me, as she described perfectly, a man who came to take her to the other side was my grandfather her father. It was amazing. There is such a comfort when you talk to a medium and your loved one comes through. Now, I tell everyone, you have to be discerning like with everything else yeah. in life. Not every person doing this work is the right person, legit. And ultimately, I know that there's a lot of people that might be listening to this saying, okay, this is too woo-woo. I'm okay with the loving kindness to everyone, but this is too woo-woo. But I have to say, This may not be someone who's listening, something that they're comfortable with, but for some people, they may be. And ultimately, every person's journey is so different. I love that you're sharing your journey and what has helped you. My mother passed away. It was actually her birthday yesterday. She passed away when my daughter was maybe a year and a little bit. She was so young. That's hard. That's hard. She's been gone 13 years and I think about her, I talk to her, but I've never had that one-on-one, like I'm speaking with mom and I'm getting a message. Wouldn't it be a comfort for you? Wouldn't it be amazing? Father, ever heard you say, by the way, I've been with you all these 13 years. I know this went on with your daughter. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what people get when they talk to a really good medium. 
Because this medium is able to tune into their energy field. And what they do for everyone is like, whoa, this is fascinating. But we leave our bodies, which are very dense, and our souls are inside, are around our bodies. All When we leave our bodies, our vibration rises. You can imagine you're now part of the universe or whatever, but you're still an entity. You're a soul, and your vibration rises. So what a good medium does is they're able to raise their personal vibration. And the person on the other side is working very hard to bring theirs down a little bit so that they can meet each other in between. A really good medium is a person who, through some of them, they have these things called clairs, through either seeing or hearing or smelling. There are different things that we're feeling or knowing. They're able to interpret what the person on the other side is using their brain, the medium's brain, to get these images and things to the medium, to get the message to what they call the sitter, that that person is still with them. I mean, the message is like Dr. Pepper. How in the world yeah, you all get Dr. Pepper into this guy's brain? For all of you listening, Irene has a fantastic podcast that you all need to listen to. It's called the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. It's in the 2.5% most listened to podcasts in the world. I was fortunate enough to be interviewed talking about finance and things to think about as a widow, how to make sure you're financially secure. But I know you've interviewed a lot of different people. And I love how you approach widowhood from just so many different aspects, the finance, the mental health, the physical. But I have a question. This is going to sound like a really crass question. How do you tell a medium who is really good in their work, their craft, and someone who is taking advantage of people. I tell people that you should only go to a medium who is referred to you by someone you know and you trust. And one of the reasons that I do this podcast, and I was very fortunate because the first person who channeled salt was like John Edward, referred to yeah. me by my dry cleaner. So I had that trust. And what I do and other people, I went to other mediums after, obviously, I opened up to this world. If a medium describes your husband's toes to you, which is what happened to me, another one described the first meal I ever made, Saul. Another one described the way we kissed each other the first time. He's coming through with anything he can. Honey, it's me, it's me, it's me, I'm here. If they give you, and you don't have to provide them anything, a good medium says to you, I don't want Yeah, they don't, they, they, they don't want information. If I don't want medium. any information from you. I don't want yeah. to know anything. And all they want you to do is say yes if you're getting the right information. So that's another way. And if anybody, anybody ever says to you, there's a curse on your head or something, and you're going to have to light a candle, and it's going to cost you $600 to take the curse, run, run, run. <laughs> it's baloney. But what I do is I interview healers, just to back up a tiny bit, when I wrote my book, which just for everyone to know, I asked all these questions and I can tell you about my experience of writing the book. And I channeled him and he came right through to me with the answers of, are there soulmates? What happens to evil people when they cross over? I asked all these questions of him and he answered them for me and they're in the book. But I don't get all these messages like these people do. And one day I was sitting here at my desk and all of a sudden I heard the word podcast. I said, podcast? What's a podcast? I'm a baby boomer. I didn't even know what a podcast was. Yeah. So I said, oh, I can help you do that. Now I said to myself, all right, I'm getting a message. I'm out with the book. I thought that was it, but I'm getting a message. Because I was told many times that these mediums 
who were channeling Saul, I started getting this message that there was a divine plan and certain, that we had arranged before we came here that if certain things didn't work out, he was going to have to go first and I would stay. And we would work what they call across the veil because we all get given forgetfulness when we come into a new body because we have challenges and things to learn. And knowing everything as the soul that you came in doesn't help you to learn whatever lessons. So for all of you who are having some of these really difficult, challenging experiences, you may have arranged this for the advancement and evolving of your soul, even even listening to this podcast. If you are open to it, that is helping you to see things from more of a witness perspective or a different perspective yeah. and personalize it so much. So when I was figuring out who I was going to interview, I thought, you know, I could not have made it through my grief without a life transition coach. And because of what happened to me, I opened up to energy healing and mediums who were good, who were referred to me, who I went to save me because I kept hearing over and over and over. It was Saul. He's here. He's part of my life. He knows what's going on, which gave me, I cannot even tell you how much comfort there is in knowing that you still physically miss the person like crazy, but yeah. to know you're going to be with them again, to know that what you're going through is just not a total accident in life, and to know that there are resources and people who can help you to heal your stuff so you're not suffering as much as you're going through your life. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to interview those people. So I've interviewed all these mediums. The way I do it is that anyone can tune into the podcast and listen to these people. I ask all the questions. You consult your gut and you see if that person resonates with you. Sometimes I get emails from people saying, I read, who should I go to? And I kind of get a feel for the person. And I might recommend that they listen to two or three podcast episodes to see what that right person is. Yeah. So I'm sort of recommending them. And then I interview all these healers and all these people who help people that was you, Stacey, to transform their lives. I want people to know that they don't have to stay stuck in their swamp of suffering, that you can use what happens to you to move through. And you know what? The big payday for me was when four years after the accident, my son said to me, you know, mom, there's been nothing worse than seeing you in total despair and nothing better than seeing you be able to have joy again. That is exactly why I'm passionate about getting people introduced through my podcast to people who can help them process their pain, their grief, whatever they're going through, and be able to find joy again in their life. And Irina, just want to, again, emphasize how you've paid it forward. Most people listening may not realize this, but you're in an age where most people are playing card. No, Mahjong. My mom played Mahjong. Mine too. I could never figure it out. I bless her. <laughs> she did have a wonderful life. But in retirement, I feel like sometimes not having that purpose as you have. And I wonder, being loving and kind to everyone in that message that came to you, Irene, is that what helps inspire you to continue with the podcast, with writing books, with talking about your experience, about really, quite frankly, being extremely vulnerable. I am very vulnerable. I'm out there. Very vulnerable about a topic that not everybody's excited to hear. Did that experience 
hearing those words, is that part of what has helped you craft your life and the path that you have and well, have moved forward? Honestly, Stacey, yes, because be loving and kind to everyone also meant be loving and kind to me. So if I'm also being loving and kind to me, I wasn't in the past. I was the complete, perfect people pleaser. And I did everything for everyone else. And all of a sudden I get this message. And guess what? That includes me. Meant that I took the shot to be honest with my truth, to tell people my truth. And I also am passionate about taking really good care of myself. It's not from a narcissistic thing. I watch my health. I exercise. I do all the things I need to do because I have three beautiful grandsons and I want to be walking down the aisle at their weddings and be healthy and alive and good to the last drop to enjoy and have a quality life. And I recognize that I've become a role model to a lot of people who are making choices. And you know what? Doing this podcast, I'm so thrilled with the gift of doing this because I met Stacey Francis. I'm meeting these wonderful, 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 incredible people who are making such a difference to the world. And I get to pass it forward. I am never, ever, ever looking for something to do. And I find that one of the hardest times for me is getting into bed at night and missing Saul. But you know what? I'm busy. I'm doing things and my life is full. So I know other people, that is their life about lamenting and they're grieving. And of course, and I honor that, who they're missing. But I still miss him, but I've morphed yeah. it into purpose. I transformed it into purpose. I'll tell you a story. About a week ago, I got an email from a woman. I had interviewed a woman named Cherokee Elsie, who specializes in infant death. When people have stillbirth, just a horrible thing. She also had an infant death. And she said that people treat it like it's something like, so it happened have another child, move on or whatever, but it's not treated as respectfully or lovingly as other deaths are. Yep. So she started yep. to specialize in helping people who are grieving sudden infant deaths or whatever. I interviewed her for my podcast. That was two years ago. And a week ago, I heard from a woman. She put in the email subject, your podcast has changed my life. Mm. And I went on to read, that she was driving with her husband in her car. She was listening to my podcast. She was listening to Cherokee Elsie's interview. She said, oh my God, I have unresolved grief. I lost an infant child. I want to get to know this woman more. Since this podcast, she became a grief coach and she is now specializing in infant death. She is opening up the wing of a hospital in New Jersey that is helping people with infant death. And she's in her 60s. She said, your podcast changed my life. From listening to that episode, it gave me purpose. It has redirected my life, and I'm making a difference now in people's lives, and I know how to help them. You know, every night, I love that you've taken loss, you've turned it into purpose, and you've embraced spirituality to move through this journey and would love for you again just to talk about where people can find your book how they can find your podcast again i love the name absolutely love the name they serve bagels in heaven because i will tell you i'm a big bagel fan so i <laughs> i'm really excited i'm a new yorker 
I grew up in Michigan, but bless, I have embraced New York. And our New York bagels are just, you know, like them, nowhere right? else can you get New no, York bagels. No way. Well, I tell people if they want to find out if those bagels come with lots of cream cheese, they can find out on page eight of my book and why that visual happened with Saul. The book is They Serve Bagels in Heaven. It's all over Amazon and wherever you get, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books. I'd love to hear from everyone. I have many, many five-star reviews for the book, and I'd love to hear from people after they read it. And then my podcast is Grief and Rebirth, and the subtitle is Finding the Joy in Life, and that's an homage to my son with what he said to me. Wherever you get your podcasts, I'm there. I'm on YouTube. I'm on wherever podcast apps there are. You can also find out all about me through my website and subscribe to the podcast through my website. And that's Irene Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, IreneWeinberg.com. You get my whole story, my spiritual awakening, the video about my story, my book. And you see, I think I've interviewed almost 300 people for the podcast, all amazing people and stories that are changing lives. I'm really humbled and I'm grateful because in a way, losing Saul was such a, a tragic, horrible thing that happened. But it's sort of like the lemonade that came out of the lemon because I was able to take it. And I did not know where I was going with it. You know, I got the message supposed to write a book. Stacy, he's telling me to write a book. I was a violinist. I was a buyer for Macy's. I worked in retail. I helped him in his real estate business. What book? But if your man describes his toast to you through someone from the other side, you're going to write that book. Yeah. And also being open to the message. Irene, you are such an inspiration. All of you definitely tune into the podcast as well as check out the book, They Serve Bagels in Heaven. It's right on Whips, on Amazon. You have almost 100 reviews. Nearly every single one is a five star. So it's a fantastic book for all of us to listen to. And just a profound thank you. I really appreciate you being here, sharing your story, continuing to help others, paying it forward, and just being an unbelievable inspiration. I want to be you when I grow up, Irene. I volunteer. I volunteer there we go. A lot of, you know, by the way, I'm going to say also that I'm about to write a book. And I want to write a book about women's third chapters, third act. Yeah. Yeah, our third act, our third, third wave. Because yeah. so many people think that once they retire, it's over. But there are other people like me who are just, just getting started. Just getting started with a whole new beautiful chapter of their lives. And I want to bring that out to people, to inspire people. And I'm going to call it good to the last drop because that's what we will be. Love it. Good to last drop. And you are definitely that, Irene. Thank, Thank you, you so much for Thank joining you. us Thank today. You. I am so happy for each one of you who is listening in today that was able to keep an open mind to really process and accept the words that Irene shared today. I'm quite frankly not what I consider a woo-woo person, but I do believe that our loved ones are continuing with us. I know that I feel my mother every day and it gives me such sense of peace, of love, of protection. And I know that that's what Irene shared as well. Losing someone you love is not something you ever really get over. But Irene's story 
is truly proof that with healing, with tools, with the right people around you, the right methodologies for healing, whatever that is for you, that you can gain comfort, solace, and happiness over time. For many people, one of the biggest challenges they have is around the finances. And Irene shared that too, that really was so thankful that she had a fantastic CPA. If you are looking for financial guidance and help answers to your many questions, I encourage you to please reach out to me. That's what we do. We look at your life not only today, but out to age 95 to ensure that you are going to be financially secure. And you can reach us at stacy at francisfinancial.com or www.francisfinancial.com. We are here for you. We want to help you. And we want to make sure that you live your best life possible. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After Widowhood. If there's a question you'd love for us to answer on the podcast, we can do that for you. All you have to do is give us a call. And the number is 347-682-5580. Let me say that again. 347-682-5580. Whether you're working with an advisor or you're maybe doing it on your own, we invite you to reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com or you can email me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Our hope is to be a resource for you to help you also find a great financial advisor, whether that be with our firm or one of our trusted colleagues. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and join us next time on Financially Ever After Widowhood.